Good evening. I'm blessed once again to be able to come in front and uh, provide another lesson. I always enjoy the chances that I have to come up and do this. It, you know, kind of gives you the good kick in the backside to get a to really get down and study something and really try to get something out. This is, I think it's the sixth time that I've had a chance to get up, so y'all just have to bear with me. I'm still a rookie. Um, the lesson tonight, I'm going to talk about um, expectations and examples. It's two words. Expectations and examples. Kind of some of the, some of the expectations that, that we need to have, the one that God has for us and some that we need to have for ourselves as, as Christians. You know, one of, one of the big ones is we're, we're expected as Christians to grow in that image of Christ, grow in that image of Jesus, and to set a good example for the world. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18, it says, But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Christ, in, in Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 3, says He is the brightness of God's glory and the express image of His person and upholding all things by the word of His power. In Jesus' own words in John chapter 17 and verse 5, His is the eternal and unfading glory which He had with the Father before the world began. So here's, here's an image. Jesus is the image of God here on earth. And we as Christians need to try to become an image of Jesus and ourselves. And those of us that choose to be Christians are joined to Jesus through baptism. Now in Galatians chapter 3, uh, verses 26 and 27, we, we hear another interesting phrase I'm sure we've all heard before. And in those verses we read that we are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. And for as many of you that have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Now put on Christ. That's that interesting phrase. You know, it kind of reminds me of, of Halloween, you know, when a kid puts on a, a sheet with holes and, you know, act like a ghost. Well, you expect them to run around and, boo! You know, you expect them to act, expect them to act a certain way. And when we put on Christ, we are also expected to act a certain way. Just as, you know, an actor puts on a costume and, and plays their role in whatever, when we put on Christ and we put on that, that costume, we're also expected to take to play a certain role, to do certain things. <coughs> Excuse me. And as I read a minute ago, Christ is is the brightness of God's glory, and we as children of God are, are given are allowed to kind of take on a portion of that glory, because as we grow as Christians, we are we're kind of slowly transformed into that image, that that goal that we have set up for ourselves, that image of Christ. You know, we start off as, as a babe in the world, and we grow continually until we are a knowledgeable and faithful Christian. And as we learn more, as our image begins to change more, we start to act differently. And as we grow, we start to respond to situations differently. You know, our, our taste and in, in our entertainment, you know, what's on TV, uh, movies, all that begins to change. You no longer want to go see the action movie because you know it's going to have a lot of cussing and a lot of violence. You don't want to go see the love story because you know there's going to be a lot of nudity and, and just inappropriate things in there. And as that attitude develops, as we start really recognizing the things in ourselves that aren't right, that's when we start to grow and start to be more Christ-like. We start seeing sin as what it is. We start seeing it as sin other than 
oh, hey, that's fun. Hey, that's fun to do. Let's do that. That's entertaining. Well, you don't look at it like that. You say, hey, wait, I don't need to do that. No matter how fun it is, no matter how much I want to, I don't need to do that. And we start avoiding those temptations that we once, we once looked for. And that likeness that we have with Christ while we're here on earth really starts to shine and really starts to shine in that example that we put forth for other people. That example that, you know, the person that we are when we're out in public, you know, when people look at us and say, you know, that's a good person, he or she's a good person, or he and she's not a good person, I don't, I don't want to spend time with them. As that, that example that we put forth to other people, that's where that, that image of Christ really starts to shine. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 11, I start hearing about, for, for we are unto God a sweet savor of Christ in them that are saved. A savor of Christ. I don't know how many of you are, are gardeners or have uh, or work in a flower shop or anything like that, but if you've ever been around flowers a lot, especially around roses, say all day, or you, you've just walked through somebody's garden, you st- when you come out, when you leave, you still smell like that. You still smell like the roses. You still smell like flowers. You know, you can smell it in your hair. You can smell it in your clothes. And somebody can, you know, they'll ask you, you know, where have you been? Why do you smell like that? Well, we kind of have to have that same attitude towards Jesus. Now, I'm not saying we have to smell like Jesus. I'm being figurative here. But as we, just as a gardener kind of dives into their work and, you know, gets the roses and, you know, has that good smell, we need to dive into the Word and get close to Jesus and get that that aroma about us of of the knowledge that we have in, in, in the Bible. And as we do that, people will start to recognize that. Just like, oh, hey, you know, I smell the roses on you. Have you been in a flower shop? Yeah. Well, hey, I've noticed that you, you know, you're doing pretty good. You seem to be really happy. Why? You know, people may start asking you that. And that will give you the opportunity to do our job as Christians. And like I said, as we grow in that image of Christ, as we start diving in to the the Bible and start really putting out that good example, that good image of Christ, as I said before, our attitude is going to change. The example that we put forth to the world is going to change. People will start seeing that happiness and that strength that we carry on, that, that ability that we have to always make the best out of a situation. And really will make us want to seek out even more. Because as we're happy, as we grow, as we're stronger, we're going to want more. It's human nature. We want more of a good thing, more of a good thing. <clears throat> and we need to be diligent in seeking that out. Like um, Zacchaeus in uh, it was, was it Luke chapter 19. Zacchaeus, he was, uh, Scripture says he was a man of little stature. He was a little guy. And as this crowd is following Jesus, well, Zacchaeus wanted to find him, wanted to see him. So he did everything he could do, climbed up in a tree just so he could see Jesus. Well, of course, Jesus recognized that effort. And because that, he honored him by staying in his place. Well, we kind of need to have that same attitude. We have to put forth that effort. And once that effort is put forth, we will be rewarded for it in the end. And when, now, Zacchaeus' attitude is, is a good example of how we need to live. In John 13 and 15, we start reading a little bit more about examples. And this was right after Jesus had, had washed his disciples' feet. You've heard that story before. And he says, For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Of course, as in the context of the Scripture, that applies to 
you know, being selfless and the master and servant and all that. But we can also take that and apply that to who Jesus was, period. He was the best example that we have, the best example in the Bible that we have of how we need to live. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, and verse 12, it says, Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, or in action, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. In 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 21. Sorry, I've copied that twice. Sorry. Anyway, Jesus was the best and the greatest example of, of how we're supposed to live here on earth. You know, as a man, he was humble, he was peaceful, and he knew about God. He, he had a very strong knowledge about God. He was sinless, he was perfect. Now, as men ourselves, the sinless and the perfect, that's, that's something we can't do. Of course, we all understand that and we all know that. But we can be humble, we can be peaceful, and we can gain knowledge about God. Now, all through the New Testament, there's many areas that talk about you know, the Christians needing to be knowledgeable about the Scripture. This is something I feel uh, very strongly about. In uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2, and verse 15, we read, A study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Now that's that's a key point there, rightly dividing. You know, anybody who knows how to read can read the Bible. But that doesn't mean that they can always take it on for face value. We know there's a lot of figurative language and there's a lot of, of of other stuff like that in the Bible, and a lot of it's not meant to be taken literally. And that's where that knowledge of the Bible comes in. We have to know how to rightly divide to use the same wording there, rightly divide that, that scripture so that we know that what we're doing is right. In 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 15, we read, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Be ready always, no matter what the situation, no matter where you are, no matter what time in the morning it is, no matter what, be ready always to give an answer, to tell somebody why. Why I believe what I believe. Why I do what I do. 1 John chapter 4, verse 1. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God. Because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Try the spirits is the key, word, key phrase in that verse. Try the spirits. If somebody you hear, a false prophet, or somebody claims to be something you know is not possible for them to be, a, a healer, a miracle worker, anything like that, challenge them on it if you have the chance. Show them that it's not possible for you to do what you can do, for, for them to do what they're doing. Show them that, that they are false prophets. Expose them for what they are. Try the spirits. And the only way we can do that successfully is to know the Word. To, I'm not talking about memorization, uh, as some people have that gift. I do not. Um, we don't have to memorize all big chapters and verses and everything like that, but you have to know the basics. You have to know the five steps. Believe, hear, believe, repent, confess, be baptized, and live faithfully. That's six. You have to know those. If you know the basics, if you know the verses that those come through, you can teach all of it. And through that study, we'll know, we'll be able to look at ourselves and tell when we're not setting that example we need to set. If we're reading a book and there's objectionable material in the book, we need to close it, put it down, throw it away, get rid of it. Yeah, you paid good money for the book, but it's not helping you. If you're watching a TV show and you see that 
oh, there's too much cussing or there's too much violence or there's inappropriate stuff. You need to change the channel. It's it's just that easy. You need to know that that's not for you. If you if you pay good money to go see a movie and it turns out there's some object, objectionable material in that, you need to get up and walk out. Yeah, you paid good money, but it's not worth it. Eventually, you'll get to the point where you can start recognizing, hey, I don't need to go see that movie. Hey, I don't need to watch that show. I don't need to read that book. I need to stay away from that. And the more and more you grow in this image that we're talking about, the easier that's going to be. The easier it's going to be to set that example, to live that life, to be that person, to be that Christian. In 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 5 and verse 22, plainly says, it's probably the, the most straightforward one, Straightforward scripture may be in the whole Bible. Abstain from all appearance of evil. That's pretty, can't get any simpler than that. Abstain from all appearance of evil. Again, we're going to go to the example with the, the TV and the movies and uh, even video games, anything, entertainment, stuff like that. There's just some stuff that's not appropriate. You know, the big, the big thing now is the shock value of the movie. You see, I can't think of any of the names. I think Saw was one of them. Any, any, of, the, any of these others you might have seen commercials for. Are just not, not appropriate. Keep, you know, keep your mind on the things that are good. Abstain from all appearances of evil. These are things that we have to do. They're not just, you know, you shouldn't go see that because it might not be good. Don't no, that wasn't a good move. No, don't see it. Period. Don't put those thoughts in your mind. Keep your mind off of of things that are evil. You know, what does it say about us as Christians who, you know, who who partake in these kind of entertainment. What I mean, what kind of example does that set forth? Let's say you're talking to a coworker or a friend who's not in the in, in a right state. And you call them up one morning and say, hey, let's go see this movie. Well, you go sit and watch the movie, and sure enough, there's some stuff you don't need to be seeing. Well, what's that person going to think? They're going to think, oh, this guy's a, you know, he says he's a Christian, but he seems to be liking this movie, so I don't know. He's not really believe what he's teaching, does he? You know, that's the kind of thought that, that people will have. And that's not the kind of example that we want to put forth at all. And it's not, it's definitely don't live up to that expectation of that image of Christ that we're supposed to have. And once we start to understand that, once we, as we grow and that image changes, once we start to understand that, we begin to recognize in ourselves, as we examine ourselves in prayer and in you know, thoughtful meditation, we start seeing those things that we need to change, that we need to improve upon. I've uh, brought a couple of questions that we can ask ourselves to to kind of help us along, see if there's anything we need to correct. Question, do the lives we live recommend our religion to other people? Or do we live in the image of Christ or in the world? You know, do we have that same religion Monday through Saturday that we have on Sunday? Do we... Well, Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16, Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, that it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. You know, do you let your light shine all week? I know this is kind of being... A little childish, but do you let your light shine all week? How we, how you teach a little, a small child? Do you blow it out when you get to work because you think you might be embarrassed if somebody knew you were a Christian, or you might offend somebody, or you might make somebody uncomfortable because they're, you know, living wrong and they don't want to think you're all hiding, high and mighty, and all that stuff? 
do you let other people control that? You know, if you know that your friends and your coworkers don't know God, they, they're not living right, are you afraid to talk to them because you're afraid to lose that friendship? Or you're just going to make it uncomfortable to be at work? Or is it because you really haven't made it a part of your life? You're, you're a Christian three hours a week. Sunday morning, Wednesday night, Sunday night. That's when you put on that image. That's when you put on that face. That's when you smile at everybody and shake everybody's hand. And as soon as you leave, your attitude changes. As soon as you leave from the company of these fellow Christians, your attitude changes. You start leaning more towards the world. Hey, I got to get home and watch this movie. Hey, I got to get home and, and watch this football game. Hey, I got to gotta go do this. Your attitude immediately changes as soon as that final prayer is said and everybody starts going out the door. Is that the kind of person we're supposed to be? No. Philippians chapter 2, verses 15 and 16 tell us that our actions should be such. And I'll read it here. That ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights unto the world, holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. There's that, there's that shine as lights again. There's that same reference. Are you shining as a light, as we're supposed to as Christians? Is your light always up on the candlestick? Or is it under a bushel? And... Another question we can ask ourselves. Do we support God and the truth of the word in public like we should? First Corinthians, I'm sorry, Second Corinthians chapter four and verse thirteen, Paul tells us that I believed and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. Are you willing to talk about your religion? Are you willing to talk to somebody about God, about Jesus? Are you willing to help somebody you know is not living right by something as simple as inviting them to church? Or inviting them out to a singing night. Say, hey, it's just going to be a singing night. Come on. Come and sing with us. Inviting them over to your house. Just spend an evening with them. Get to know somebody. Become friends with them. And as you start to become more familiar with people, that's when you can start doing our job. Spreading spreading Jesus. Spreading the, our religion around. Let's see. Acts chapter 4, uh, we start reading about um, Peter and John being arrested by the Sadducees. We know the Sadducees weren't, they didn't believe in the resurrection. And Peter and John were preaching about this. They got arrested and sent to jail. Well, in verse 20 of, of Acts chapter 4, we see that even though they were in jail, incarcerated, and they were banned from, from preaching, uh, we see that they could not help but to teach the word. You know, for we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard, is, is Acts 4 verse, verse 20 there. Cannot but speak the things that we have heard. You know, do you support your religion this strongly? Do you, are you strong enough to take that step to, when, when you hear somebody talking and they, you, you hear them teaching somebody wrong, do you open up and, and correct them? Another question we can ask ourselves to see if we're heading in the right direction. Do you know enough to teach somebody about Jesus without the Bible? This is kind of a good measure of our knowledge. We you know, all heard of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. Ethiopian eunuch was reading Isaiah, and Philip started from the same verse and preached him Jesus. Now, we know he didn't have a Bible because the New Testament was not written 
and compiled. So he had Isaiah and preached Jesus. Of course, there's, there's things about Jesus in Isaiah, but they don't name him. They don't tell of his actions and things like that. So we know Philip preached from memory. He preached from his knowledge. He had some help, but still. Now let me give you a hypothetical situation. You know, stranded on a, stranded on a desert island. You've got some people with you. You know that none of them know God. You know that none of them know how to, how to become saved. You don't have a Bible. Do you know enough right now to lead them to salvation? Do you know enough about your religion to teach these people how to be saved? Salvation. Teach them the love of Jesus, the mercy of God, how to be saved. Now, how about a, a little less hypothetical situation? Let's say you're going out to lunch with a coworker or a family member or a friend. And during that lunch, they start asking you about your religion. They start asking you about God and about what you believe. Well, are you going to be that person that has to say, hey, hey, wait a minute, let me bring my Bible to work tomorrow and we'll talk about it tomorrow? Or are you going to be the kind of person that just can take advantage of the moment right now and do your job as a Christian? <clears throat> now, in a few minutes, we're going to offer up an invitation song. And during that invitation song, it's, it's, it's time for you to come forth, share your problems with the congregation, share your problems with people who know how to help, who want to help, people who love to help. And during this invitation, this is the time, of course, it's, it's, not, it's not something divine, you know, we're not told you have to do an invitation. Invitation is always open. But this is the time that we set forth, that the elders have, have set forth for you to examine yourself. During the, the singing of the song, you examine yourself. Are you living the image of Jesus in the image of Jesus that you're supposed to? Are you putting forth at least putting forth a good effort? Examine yourself and find the areas that you need to improve upon. You know, do a study of the Christian graces in Second Peter chapter one. Learn those words. Learn those meanings. You know, make those ideas a part of your life. Does the everyday life that you live reflect your beliefs? Can your friends or your co-workers see that you're a Christian? Do they know that you're a Christian? Examine yourself. Examine yourself to see if you support your religion like you should. Do you stand up for it when people are against it? And does it mean enough for your religion to be more than something you do three hours a week? I don't know, a lot of times when I hear a sermon, especially a, you know, a good, hard, fire and brimstone sermon... Human nature says, oh yeah, well that's easier said than done. You know, yeah, it's a good sermon. Everybody, you know, needed to hear it. No problem. But a lot of the times it is easier said than done. Some people go on through their lives believing that till they're dead. Hey, that's, that's easier said. I, you can't live like that. It's not possible. Well, that's our job as Christians. And that image of Christ as a Christian it's our job to show people that it is possible. To show people that you are able, as human, as imperfect, however you want to view it, it is possible for someone to live this life. To live, live right, I guess is the best way to, to put it. It is possible to live a good life, faithful to God. If you have anything that you would like to share, or if you have any reason at all to come forward during this invitation... Please do so now as we stand and as we sing.